0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: For 18 years, I've truly been blessed to be a pacer and a Hoosier.
0: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast, with Alex Golden and Michael Facci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the goal. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Brogdon for three. Boom, baby! Duarte for three. Big time shot! Warren lets it fly. Yes! What's
2: up, everybody? Uh, This is Dwayne Washington Jr., and you're listening to Setting the Pace.
1: Hey, Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm joined today by the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, how's it going, man?
2: Ooh, Alex, we are back. Man, I tell you, it's the simple things like maybe just you and I not recording on a Monday that makes it feel like it's been an eternity since we've discussed Pacer basketball.
1: Yeah, and today is a very special day as we celebrate the anniversary. 38 years ago today, Lionel Richie's all-night-long drop. Flachi, how does that make you feel?
2: Uh, well, not it doesn't quite give me the same feeling as 21 years ago today the Pacers landed Jermaine O'Neal. It is officially Jermaine O'Neal Day, and I love it. I'm trying to get it to be a national holiday, but I, I need a little bit more support.
1: I knew you were going to be hyped about Jermaine O'Neal Day, Flachi, so I had to come in there with a little bit of a curveball and throw you off there with a little Lionel Richie. But you, you handled it well, Fachi. You were sitting on that curve, and boom, hit that ball out of the park.
2: Oh, man. I mean, I do not play when it comes to Jermaine O'Neal Day. So, you know, we saw a bunch of people saying, you know, hey, are they going to retire his number? Are they not? I just feel like the Pacers, they're far too strict when it comes to retiring numbers. Other teams retire Michael Jordan's number, like the Miami Heat, when mm-hmm. he never even played for them. So it, it just feels like the Pacers, they're – they have a very strict criteria of what deserves to be retired. And uh, outside of Reggie Miller, no other NBA player has been able to achieve that status for the Pacers.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at Reggie's resume compared to Jermaine's, I mean, Jermaine didn't even come close to it. Number one, in terms of service, like how many years they played there. And then and two, just what they brought to the team. Like Jermaine was really good for a couple of years, but Reggie was good for almost two decades. So it's tough, watch. I get it. It's a very tough spot to be in, but at the end of the day, I think Jermaine O'Neal is probably right up there as one of the guys that should be considered. Maybe another guy that doesn't get enough love that could be considered. Rick Smiths. Absolutely. That, I, those really are the only two. That. Those are the only two names I can think of that could possibly be Pacer names that have their jersey retired, but I think Jermaine's on-court resume is a little bit stronger than Rick's.
2: Of course. I mean, look, Rick Smiths. Really good player. I mean, it was great that he was, you know, only a pacer in his career. love that. You don't see that loyalty anymore. But when it comes to Jermaine, you know, you can't overlook the six-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA player. I mean, you know, most improved player of the year, all-time franchise block player. The list goes on and on and on. So I I just feel like, yeah, he's got a really strong resume, doesn't have maybe as many years with the team that, you know, you would – want to consider to retire the number, but it just feels like if you're going to retire anyone, we all have to be in agreement. Jermaine O'Neal should be first on that list.
1: Uh, yeah, I think so, unless Chris Duarte becomes the next best thing or Sabona stays for another 15 years and continues to rack up all-star uh, all star selections, I guess you could say. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really tough place to be put in, but I, I wanted to bring something up today, Facha, because I noticed on... Your Instagram story, you had a wedding this weekend that you went to. You were a part of the bridal party. The, the You were a groomsman. It looked like there was like 25 groomsmen in this wedding. And I got to admit, y'all uh, y'all pulled off a different look that I haven't seen in quite a while. Wearing Chuck Taylors with rental suits. Fachi, can you kind of walk me through all this?
2: I, I did give a speech. I was one of the groomsmen. It's one of my oldest friends. Uh, I mentioned that. You know, I truly joined what's larger than an NBA roster of groomsmen. There was 17 of us, uh, which is absolutely absurd. But what made it even more absurd was the outfit that he had to square in. We had a suit with Converse's on. And I spent the day in the truck tailors, and I had no idea how Larry Bird was able to, you know, score 40 (laughs) points in him. I have no idea. By the end of the day, all of our feet hurt. And, you know, they've made plenty of advances in Converses since Larry wore them, but I mean, every photo I took, I was like, you want to aim that camera a little bit higher? You know, that way I can cut the Converses out of the photo, but uh, (laughs) you know, not every photo had them cut out. So, uh, towards Uh, the end of the night, once the suit jacket came off and I was doing some dancing, I looked even more ridiculous because it looked like I was half dressed up and then just half, just kind of hanging out.
1: (laughs) Hey, Foch, you know what? You pulled it off. I didn't think it looked too bad on the pictures, but let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that Ben Simmons drama and look at the Eastern Conference right after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Okay, everybody, we are back. And just before we get into our conversation, I want to give you a rundown of what we're going to do this segment. So me and Fachi are going to talk about the 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, look at their offseason, if they improved or didn't improve. And most importantly, we're going to look at the over-under and see if we predict them to go over or under their win-loss total record prediction based on betonline.ag, I believe it is. So Fachi, I want to start with Philadelphia first. That was our teaser heading into this segment. Ben Simmons, there's a lot of drama going on here. The Pacers were rumored in the offseason by Jason Dumas from Bleacher Report to have offered Brogdon in a pick form. Now there's just so much out there about Ben Simmons, but it appears he does not want to come back to camp. This relationship has soured with Philadelphia. Lots of drama going on right there.
2: We have some straight up drama it has been reported keith pompey he's their official beat writer from the 76ers to my understanding that simmons doesn't intend to come to camp he doesn't at all we've heard this we heard that he was not uh, picking up 76er you know phone calls whether it's from the front office or teammates it feels real this time i know there's still you know some time until training camp and all that but simmons is very unhappy that relationship seems very frayed and uh, he, met, he keeps naming those three California teams, which seems like, you know, not the Lakers, but essentially, you know, the, the Clippers, the Kings. And then is he really talking about Golden State? I guess I would assume yeah. because, you know, that's California. I, I mean, I guess there's a chance, but I don't see Golden State making a move for Ben Simmons right now. But you never know. But at the same point, man, there, there is drama in Philly and the 76ers might have gotten greedy. Well, yeah, and let's be honest
1: here. Whatever happened in the playoffs, Philadelphia fans are probably the most, most ruthless fans. Always there happen. are, whether it's football, hockey, basketball, whatever it is, they are ruthless. And Ben Simmons, he underperformed in the playoffs. He really was afraid to shoot free throws. He was afraid of getting fouled. Passed up a wide open lamp. It became a huge moment. But I think the moment that sold everything was when Joel Embiid. And Doc Rivers went to the podium, they were asked about Ben Simmons, and Doc Rivers said he didn't know if he could lead them to a championship as their point guard. And when you say that in the moment, I think that was kind of the trickling down effect. Ever since then, this whole relationship has spiraled out of control. I don't blame Ben Simmons for not wanting to be there. I think he's an incredibly talented young player. We've talked about it several times on this podcast I would trade for him. I think some Pacer fans still believe that he's not that good. He's not worth the, the, the headache, I guess you could say. The, his weaknesses are a little bit too you know glaring. But I, I think you got to look past that. He's a young player. But I'm not even saying Indiana is going to make sense for him. But I, I think that with his value being diminished, it's really going to hurt the return on Philadelphia. And I think it could really impact their overall regular season success.
2: I think by now, and, and I believe that teams knew this, but by now it feels like just like you said, his value it's 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 starting to just come down and down in terms of what Philadelphia is going to be able to get back. Him as a player, you know, you hope that he's been working his butt off all offseason to get better, but when Philadelphia was asking for like I think it was like four first round picks, some pick swaps, and they wanted a young, you know, talented player. I mean now the teams know this relationship is this frayed, they might be offering half that at most. Yeah. So Philly's the team right now that that it, they're in some trouble because I think the time to do to make this move was right by the draft. I feel like yeah. you you had Golden State dangling two lottery, you know, lottery picks and they have the young players to do it. I think they could have pulled off the deal then. I just feel like right now at this point I don't think this is the trade that Philly is going to want to pull off right now. I know the Kings feel like a team that, I don't know. It feels like the betting odds could be on the Kings to land Ben Simmons. It feels like they would love the opportunity to bring him in. But if you're Philly, you really didn't do much this off season. So I I think that you you might want to start hitting the panic button a little bit if you can't repair this relationship. And when you mentioned Doc Rivers before, I felt like Doc Rivers had Ben Simmons back until they were eliminated right when they were eliminated. That's when I felt like he kind of pointed the finger at Ben Simmons in that situation a bit. And indeed, like you mentioned, he didn't have his back right there. And that's when it felt like, Oh man, there's trouble here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I-, I think doc rivers might be one of the most overrated coaches he is in the NBA. I know that Kent Sterling, when me and him did that show together for a while there, when we were doing three a week and we kind of did our separate things He was like, why do people want Doc Rivers? (laughs) You know, he's like, he's a career loser. Look at what he's done. He's always failed, except for that one year, that 08 championship with Boston. He's always underperformed in the playoffs. I completely agree. We see it here. We see it now. I don't think he's a bad coach. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a bad coach, but I do think that people look at him as like a top two, top three coach. And I don't think he is that anymore. Honesty is the best policy. I get that. But you got to learn how to keep things in-house. You don't throw a guy under the bus, especially a guy that you just gave an extension to. He's got four to five more years left on his deal. Teams that trade for him are making some serious bank right now because he's a young asset who's still got a lot of talent. And if he's got any chip on his shoulder for how Philadelphia treated him, then he might come out motivated this season to show why he is such a good player.
2: Uh, I think that that's the the best thing that he could possibly do. He should take this personally, because to be honest, everybody was laughing at him. Everybody. I'm guilty of it. I mean, I've never heard of a guy that talented that they're just saying he can't shoot. So you have to be able to prove the haters wrong. And no, I'm not going to go by a clip that I saw of him hitting a wide open three in an empty (laughs) gym. That's not enough for me anymore. All right. So I need to see more than that. And when you mentioned, you know, Doc Rivers' failures, no one blows a 3-1 lead quite like Doc Rivers. That man has almost made it his trademark. So I feel like outside of that 2008 championship with, you know, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and a ton of other veterans, yeah, the man has underperformed, but oh, to throw one of your franchise players under the bus like that, that's, uh, that's going to be hard to repair. And I just feel like right now, you can't really imagine Ben Simmons just sitting the year out, but... They have a lot of work to do. And in Philly, who really felt like they were finally getting to where they hoped to be with the whole trust the process and they finally got to the one seed, uh, it might all come crashing down from here unless they can facilitate uh, quite a good trade to bring in a haul, which now could be you know maybe 50 cents on the dollar.
1: It'll be interesting to see what they get back. I know that they've desperately wanted Damian Lillard and they've been trying to hold out for him and they could still do that, but I don't know. If I'm Portland, if Ben Simmons doesn't show up to camp, if I'm going to want to trade for a guy that hasn't played yet, I mean, that's that's a little bit risque. But uh, looking at what Philadelphia did this offseason, they waived George Hill after, you know, going to get him at the trade deadline last year from OKC, which means if they traded Ben Simmons and George Hill and didn't get a point guard back, Tyrese Maxey would be the only one at their starting point guard position. And it appears that Jason Dumas said that, Tyrese Maxey's agent wants him out of Philadelphia too because their agency does not like Daryl Morey in that front office in in Philadelphia. So that'd be interesting. If I'm Maxey, I'd prefer to stay just because what an opportunity to be with that good of a team and start, but we'll see what happens there. They re-signed Ferkin Korkmaz to a $15 million deal over the next three years, brought Danny Green back, and then they replaced Dwight Howard as their backup center with Andre Drummond and then former Indiana Pacer Georges Niang came there too in a small deal for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, Fachi, looking at this right now, do you think this team got better or worse?
2: I think if you don't resolve the Simmons situation, it's hard to say that they got better. I mean, Andre Drummond signing a minimum deal to be Embiid's backup was one of the saddest things I have seen in a while. That man was a true max player before. Did he deserve it? No. We saw that his numbers don't necessarily translate to winning, but seeing him after Embiid trolled him for for years become the backup on a minimum deal was was very, very sad. But I, I think that that's a good addition for them. But now everything lies in what do you do with Ben Simmons? If Simmons just holds out and Philly is waiting for that right deal and they don't have Simmons out there, Of course they got worse. I can't say they've gotten better. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah. So their win projection total here on bet online is 51.5. Are you going over or under?
2: I'm going to go under just because, you know, Embiid had an MVP year last year. He really did. He was really good, but you know, I felt like if he can't stay healthy, things could go South real quick. If Simmons isn't on the court right there. So, I kind of feel like you know what, Philly. I don't. I don't know. I think it's going to be hard for them to duplicate the same success they had with the rest of the Eastern Conference. In my opinion, getting better.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I think that it's uh, up in the air where they're going to finish at. We were maybe, maybe fifty wins, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they still got him B, but if he doesn't stay healthy, they trade yep. Ben Simmons and they get, like you said, twenty five cents on the dollar they might be in trouble. They still got Tobias Harris. They still got a good team. They got your boy, Seth Curry. So I think we should all just calm down. They got Seth Curry. It's true. But um, yeah, let's move on, Fauci, to the team that finished second last year, the Brooklyn Nets. 55 and a half wins uh, for their total. Their big pickup was Patty Mills. They also retained and re-signed Blake Griffin. But Jeff Green, he signed with Denver, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. So there's some questions there. but. Yeah,
2: so what do you think about the Brooklyn Nets? I think the Nets are going to be really good. I mean, you got to remember James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant played seven games together last year. That's it. That's it. They were yeah. not healthy at the same time. You know, Harden was was acquired in a trade after the season had started. This team, if you just put those three players on the court together, they should be fine. They also, you know, Cameron Thomas, who led, you know, the summer league in scoring, really good rookie. He might be able to contribute this year. Maybe he can't, but I think that's just a good score to have off the bench. Blake Griffin, you know, it looks like he's more coming into himself. He'll have a full season under his belt with um, Brooklyn. So I think that that's a really good pickup for the minimum. Um, My boy, Javon Carter from West Virginia, just a good defensive backup guard. You know, they obviously need help defensively. So I, I just think that as long as Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving can stay healthy, On the court, I feel like Brooklyn's going to be a really good team, and I would go with the over.
1: Over on this one? Yep. I'm going to hit the over, too. I I don't know where I see them finishing at right now. I'm torn between them and the Bucs, between who gets first and second. But they're really good, and they're going to be really fun to watch. James Harden's going to be fully healthy. Patty Mills, I'm a little bit wondering how he fits because he's not a true point guard. He's a scorer. He will give them that scoring off the bench. But do they really need that? I don't know. but I like their team. I'll be interested to see if they bring LaMarcus Aldridge back. There's some question marks there, but I think he could, you know, from that scary thing where he retired last year, he's actually wanting to make a comeback now because it looks like he might have been able to get that under wraps a little bit, that health scare. So cool for him. But yeah, I think they are going to go over 55 and a half wins. They're going to be the team to beat, I think, on paper in the Eastern conference. Anything else on the Brooklyn Nets?
2: I would just say, in my opinion, that feels like the bet I feel most confident in. Um, I also feel like, hey, Steve Nash now, he's no longer a rookie head coach. He's got another another year under his belt. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is gone, but I do think that, you know, Steve Nash is going to be able to grow as a coach. And just in the playoffs, if you had Harden healthy, if Kari's healthy, if Durant, you know, Durant was healthy over there, I just feel like that team, you got to remember, Kevin Durant's toe was on the line. Yeah. On that shot against Milwaukee, everything could have been different. So I feel like Brooklyn's going to be the team to beat, at least in the Eastern Conference next year.
1: Okay. Well, let's move on to the world champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. They had a big loss with P.J. Tucker leaving for the Miami Heat. We'll get to them in a little bit, but P.J. Tucker walks away unexpectedly. They get back Bobby Portis. Brent Forbes goes back to the Spurs. They get George Hill. They traded for Grayson Allen. And they got Rodney Hood as well. So, Fauci, what are your thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks offseason?
2: I liked it. Bobby Portis was a player that, you know, he had a good year there. I, I think the fans loved him. I thought he signed a very generous deal. Two years, $9 million. I really feel like Bobby Portis sacrificed to come back. So, I think he's going to be thrilled to be back. Yeah, they lost P.J. Tucker. But you know what? They won a championship when they traded for P.J. Tucker. The move paid off. So they avoid the tax. Grayson Allen, he used to be a joke. He used to be. He was known for, you know, tripping people at Duke. He's actually developed into a a pretty decent player. So you also have Rodney Hood. um, And then George Hill, he's back. So I I feel like George Hill is another guy that, hey, us Pacer fans, we know very well. I feel like the Bucs, usually when you win a championship, sometimes you tear it down. They didn't. They just didn't bring back P.J. Tucker and Brent Forbes. I I think other than that, they had a pretty decent offseason, enough to still be pretty much at the top of the East or at least a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I like them getting George
1: Hill back as well. I thought he was really good for them two years Mm -hmm. ago. It's just they had Bledsoe, and that to me was nothing against Bledsoe, but Drew Holiday is significantly better in my opinion. They also did not have Dante DiVincenzo for the final two rounds after he got hurt. So You get D. Vincenzo back. You got Pat Connaughton who played really well. You got Grayson Allen, someone that can be a role player. Bobby Portis will probably get those P.J. Tucker minutes that he was Mm -hmm. getting. I think Portis nailing those three-point shots that he had, his rebounding, his intensity. Bobby is awesome. They were chanting Bobby, Bobby, Bobby like crazy because he became a fan favorite. So I like what they did. I'm hammering the over at 54-and-a-half. This is a team to me that feels like they still might not have gotten the respect they deserve after winning a championship, but they could be on a prove it once again year trying to show, Hey, we weren't a one-year fluke. We are the real deal.
2: I think I'm going with over two. 54 and a half. I feel like this, this is a team. I think they can win 56 games. I really do. So I feel confident over. All right, well, let's move on to the Miami heat. This
1: is a team that finished. Uh, they have the they have the fourth highest ranking, I guess you could say, in terms of win-loss or, uh, yeah, over-under win-loss at 48-and-a-half. They got Kyle Lowry in a sign-and-trade. They also got P.J. Tucker. This roster is looking pretty old, Fauci, in terms of some of their guys. They did give an extension to Jimmy Butler and they re-signed Duncan Robinson. I like this team, but I don't know for how long I like them, and I almost forgot. It did bring back Victor Oladipo on a minimum deal.
2: I was going to bring it up myself. How sad it would be if we, if that had truly been forgotten. <laughs> that, I almost forgot. You know, I really almost, you know, got through there without bringing them up. Victor Oladipo on a minimum deal. Yes. You know what? He's not healthy, but he has the luxury of being able to not be rushed back and whatever he contributes this year, I think is a bonus for them. Alex, I'm still not over that rivalry that the Pacers have with the Heat. They're like a team that I watched them get better this year, and I went, oh, man, Miami, they're probably going to be pretty good this year because last year they were sluggish. They had, uh, they had they had some cases of COVID in the beginning of the year. Whatever it was, they, they weren't the same team that we saw in the bubble, and now it looks like they've geared up. Kyle Lowry, yes, he's older, still a good player. P.J. Tucker, that's, that's a championship piece right there, and Milwaukee can vouch for that. So I think that that they had a really good offseason. I think Miami's going to be more along the lines of the team that we saw in the bubble. Not saying they're going to win the East, but I think this is an improved Miami team that had one of the better offseasons. No, they really did. On paper, their team looks really solid,
1: and they look really defensive-minded. I, I, this is a team to me that screams Eric Spolstra. Mm-hmm. a team that I think can really compete. They're a team that I'm really high on in the regular season, but I'm a little bit concerned about their health. Tucker, 36. Kyle Lowry, 35. Tucker brings a certain type of physicality to the game, but if he's not hitting his shots, I think he had zero points in the finals. Yep. It's just like he can become a guy that's not as big of a factor as he's made out to be. I think Kyle Lowry, he still has something left in the tank, but how much does he have left in the tank? I mean, Is he going to have a Chris Paul type of year? We'll see. I think Duncan Robinson, great deal for him. He's become a great shooter. Probably one of the best shooters in the game Mm -hmm. if we're we're talking in terms of three-point shooting and how well he does at that. We also forget about Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is a guy that was really good in the bubble. Expectations were incredibly high, probably way too high for this season. And he regressed a little bit, but I still think he's a good player. So I know what, before they got P.J. Tucker and before they continue to make some more moves, I wasn't like super scared of them by just getting Kyle Lowry. But I think after you look at all the moves they've made, they're still going to be a tough out. They're a team to me that I feel like is going to crack that top four in terms of win-loss record. They're going to be a very good playoff team. I don't know if I see them as a title contender, but they're going to have to figure some things out. Jimmy Butler is going to have to be that $50 million player that he is. He signed that extension for big, big money for uh, Jimmy Butler. Bam out of bio, another guy that could take a leap forward. I mean, he's still a really young, talented player. If he can hit jump shots at a consistent rate, I like what they did there. But yeah, I I, I think they made some great moves this offseason. They're going to be a tough team to beat, but I'm hoping the Pacers see them in the playoffs and we can make this rivalry last again.
2: It would definitely be fun. I do think that, you know, Miami, I think they could hit the over on there. I do think they can win 50 games. Um, you know, 48 and a half being the, the over under. I think that 50 is in line with that. I, this is a team that, if everything works up defensively, you know, say Oladipo is maybe 75% of what he used to be, 65 between him, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Bam. I mean, there's a lot of good defensive guys on that team. So, yeah, they're all in. I mean, the money they threw around. This offseason with the Jimmy Butler extension, the um, Duncan Robinson extension. I mean, this is a team that is saying, hey, in the Kyle Lowry contract, they're saying a couple of years from now, it might not look great. But for now, we're going all in.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go over two here with Miami. I think they're well deserving of it. Let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals out of nowhere, Fauci. Trey Young stepped into Madison Square Garden and put on a show. It was fun to watch him play. Nate McMillan as the head coach. Brought in Nick Van Exel as his assistant. How cool is that? I believe his son is also coaching with him this year for the first time. So they brought John Collins back. They gave Trey Young that max extension. They re-signed Lou Williams. They pretty much brought their core back together. They're going to have a lot of people hunting for him, Fauci. That is my only concern with this team. Having them now be the hunted instead of the hunter, they're going to give back DeAndre Hunter as well, who was out with an injury. Cam Reddish, we'll see where he fits at in the rotation. They got Sharif Cooper in the draft, a guy that we had on our podcast. They also got Jalen Johnson from Duke. They, they've had a pretty good offseason, flashy. I like what they've done. Can you talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks and what you think their team is going to do this upcoming season?
2: First of all, I have to compliment you on saying they went from, you know, the Hunter to the Hunted, and then they're bringing back DeAndre Hunter. Just fantastic. (laughs) But this is a team that they, they came out, I don't want to say they came out of nowhere, but no one expected the run they went on. I mean, they went from being not even a playoff team to being in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, it was crazy. So, yes, they overachieved. It's going to be hard to match that or top it. I don't think Anyone is predicting the Hawks to come out of the East next year, but they did the right things. They, they re-signed John Collins. You kept Trey Young, you know, on a max deal. Perfect. Great. You know, Lou Williams, Hey, you brought him back, you know, whatever. But I also feel like Jalen Johnson is going to be someone that I think is a really good pick for them. They still have a lot of young players. You know, one of the teams that you almost say, like, is there too much talent there in terms of a lot of pretty good guys? So, look for the Hawks to potentially after this year make a big trade and bring in one really good player. So I feel like the Hawks are on the rise. Yes, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, go past what they did last year, but they're a team that has put the league on notice.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I like this Hawks team a lot. And I might just be drinking the Kool-Aid, but I think they're going to win more than 46 and a half games. I think that this is a team... I think they've got the right coach. We've seen Nate McMillan have great regular season playoff success. We have. I think that this Hawks team, similar to what I said about the Bucks, they want to prove that this was a real deal thing. And this wasn't a one-time, you know, lucky thing playing the Knicks, which I think the Knicks were a little bit overrated last year. We saw their flaws in the playoffs. We saw Philadelphia's flaws in the playoffs. I mean, they got a nice setup in who they played because really had it been Brooklyn or Milwaukee they faced in that second round, they probably wouldn't be there. So, I get that, but that's not what happened. This, they played the teams they were supposed to play. They won those games, and I was incredibly impressed with what they did. So I'm hammering the over at 46.5. I think this is a team that really has a chance to be top three, top four this season.
2: Man, that is really tough. 46.5 is, like, such a tough decision there. I feel like I could see them at 47 wins. I could see them at 46. So I'll... Oh. I almost feel like it ends up being 46. I'm, I guess I'll have to go with the under.
1: Under, okay. This they is the one we disagreed on.
2: They okay. got better, but it's, it's just going to be hard to top uh, what the expectations are.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you, Fachi. I, 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 think, I think this is one of the tougher teams to discuss. But let's move on to the team that's got the same projected wins total amount. That's the Boston Celtics at 46 and a half. I not don't, I don't like this Boston Celtics team. I don't think that they did too much great in the offseason. I get it. They dumped Kimba Walker for a first round uh, with a first round pick for Al Horford. They bring Horford back. Evan Fournier, they let him go. They get Josh Richardson with the, with the Mavericks in a trade there. They got Dennis Schroeder on a really cheap deal, 5.9 years or 5.9 million for one year. They re signed or gave an extension to Robert Williams and they gave an extension to Marcus smart. But other than that, they lost Kimmel Walker. They lost Evan Fournier. They brought back Enos Cantor. I just, the moves they made to me don't scream anything, and I feel like the biggest move was Brad Stevens stepping away from that coach's box, going into the front office, and now Ime Udoka is the new coach. Unproven head coaches, we can, we've can we seen how that can be a high-risk
2: high-reward type thing. Yeah, Boston's in a really weird spot. I feel like they really took care of their own with some of these deals. I mean, obviously, Tatum and, um, Tatum and Brown, you know, you, you re-signed, you know, the previous year, got that done, great. The Robert Williams contract, not sure that had to be done. Clearly, they know Robert Williams better than we do, and we know that he's one of those players in short spurts. he He's really produced. But, you know, hey, they're banking on him taking a big step forward, Marcus Smart gets a real solid deal for your $77 million. So you took care of your own. But then Schroeder, great contract. I mean, it's is one of the best value deals out there. So that's a good move. But other than that, it, the, the rumblings were, hey, Boston's trying to keep their salary intact to make a run at a star for next year. I don't really think anyone's coming. I really don't. They keep doing these trades, getting these trade exceptions, and then it's underwhelming. Evan Fournier, mm-hmm. you know, and then he leaves Josh Richardson I don't know. I feel like for Boston, this is a team that they were sluggish last year, a 500 team. This year, I I, I don't see them being that great. I, I want to say that at 46 and a half wins, Alex, I'm taking the under. Yeah, go, so I. Go, I could see them win 44, 45 games.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple teams that we haven't talked about, or, that, or maybe just one team that we've talked about that I think will finish above them. But I just I look at this Boston team, and I think to myself, man, they get overhyped so much because they're a bigger market in Boston. Of course. They've got a lot of national TV games. I like Jason Tatum. I think he's a really good basketball player. I like Jalen Brown. I think he's really good too. So to count them out would be wrong of me to do that, but I don't like the surrounding pieces around him. Let's see what Horford can do. Is he still the same Horford he was a couple of years ago when he was with the Celtics? I mean, it's been two years now since he was with them Enos Cantor. I mean, that's just probably the worst defender in the NBA. Sure. He gets rebounds, but defensively he is just terrible. So I don't really think he's an upgrade and really where is he getting minutes out of Robert Williams and Horford are playing in that center position. And then you've got some of these young guys that they've got like a Romeo Langford. they've got Carson Edwards, they've got uh, Peyton Pritchard, Uh, I think Neesmith is probably the best out of that young core. He'll probably start. They'll probably go small, I would assume, with Neesmith, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Horford would be my projected starting five for them with Williams coming off the bench. Unless they start Williams over Horford, I have no idea what they're doing, but they've got good players, not great players, surrounding Tatum and Brown. I think this is a team that could maybe underachieve a little bit because expectations for them, once again, to me, are a little bit too high for what their roster is.
2: I think so. I mean, it's just they're a team that, you know, when they took LeBron and the Cavs to seven games uh, in the conference finals years ago, you really thought it was Boston's time. And they never quite made it back to that point, And we're still waiting. And I And I think that this is almost like a pre-year. Like, they're in a little bit of limbo that this year, I think they're going to be just – just above 500. And mm-hmm. and I think that they were one of the major disappointments last year. Absolutely.
1: Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will hit on the rest of the Eastern
3: Conference. So we'll be right back to this.
1: Okay, so the next three teams all have the same projected win total. That's Chicago, Indiana, and New York at 42-and-a-half. you think we should start with the Knicks because they finished fourth last year?
2: Yeah, sure. I guess we'll throw the Knicks a bone. It's not every year that they actually put out a halfway decent team, so we'll give them some credit. Um, the Knicks, I thought that they overachieved last year coming into the fourth seed. They were a team that really got it going uh, in the second half of the year. I thought – you know, their offseason, it was interesting. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you're bringing Evan Fournier. I mean, you know, you're like, okay, sure, that was their 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 big signing when they had the most cap out of anyone you thought. Maybe they'd make a run at, at a bigger player. But Kemba Walker falls in their lap after being bought out. I thought great value on, on his contract. Uh, you know, getting Kemba for right around that about $8 million a year is way better than Kemba making over $30 million for Boston or OKC, that would have been gross. Um, But I I think that this is a team that they also kind of overpaid their own players, their own's Noel, Derek Rose. I mean, those were, uh, those were guys that got, you know, solid increases in pay. So for the Knicks, I think it's kind of the, they overachieved last year to the point where I don't see them as the fourth seed. I see them as a team that got better, but, the competition got better. And for that, I think the Knicks are probably a playoff team, but more than likely in that play-in game.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, Foch, And I hate to say that because I really feel like they were good to some extent. But even in the draft, they traded both their first-round picks. Very which weird. Found very bizarre. They did lose Reggie Bullock, somebody that I wanted for the Pacers. We know about that. But they signed back all of their guys to these, you know – Semi-decent semi deals, I guess, they are not too, too bad. They did get Julius Randle, that extension ahead of time. Taj Gibson, Derek Rose, Alec Burks, they're all back. They added Evan Fournier. They got Kimba Walker. I think Kimba might have saved their offseason a little I bit agree. to make it seem more appealing. But they're still not a team that I think is a team that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're a top four, top five team. I think that they're going to fall to the bottom half. Playing game for sure, Fachi. That's where I have them slotted at right now. I won't get too far into where I've got everybody slotted, but I'm hammering the under here with New York. I think they're a team to me that could be 541 and 41.
2: That's exactly what where I think is appropriate. I would go with the under. Just I feel like 500 feels like a safe bet. Um Kemba really did save their offseason because when you mentioned the trade of those first round picks, I, I read that they made that trade to you know, kind of maximize the cap room that they had. And then this is what they ended up with. It it just really seemed like that's not why you trade two first round picks. You trade two first round picks and you could land, you know, a max player or a star. And that's not what they did. They, They added a bunch of pretty decent guys and brought back their own. So here's what I'll say. I'll recognize them as a playoff team this year, which is something that we have not done going into the year for the Knicks in quite some time.
1: All right, so we've got them both at the under. Let's move on to the other team. There's two more teams at forty-two and a half. Let's save the Pacers for last. Let's go to the division rival, the Chicago Bulls. They have had a very busy off season. They added Lonzo Ball, Demar Derozan. They traded Lori marketing got two first for Wendell Carter Jr. last year and in the and in, and uh, in Otto Porter for Vucevic. So they've had a busy off season and a little busy season really for the last six seven months in terms of transactions so looking at that starting lineup you've got Lonzo Ball Zach Levine DeMar DeRozan Patrick Williams and Busevich they've also brought in Alex Caruso off the bench as well Derek Jones Jr this is a team to me Fachi. a lot of good moves on paper not so sure I think they make that giant of a jump like everybody is predicting
2: No, I think you're lower on the Bulls than I am. I thought that they had, you know, in terms of, like you mentioned, a busy offseason, I think they had a a really good offseason. Sure, that they spent a lot of money, you know, defensively. The team's still probably being a little bit shaky. But I think that for the Bulls being a team that hasn't made the playoffs at the last few years, I expect the Bulls to be in the running. I, I really do. I thought Zach Levine, unfortunately, got COVID at the worst time. They really collapsed. Last year, but a full season of Vucevic, um, seeing Zach Levine continue to get better if he can, I mean, he took a big step last year. Lonzo Ball, the best is yet to come for him. DeMar DeRozan, you know, a couple years from now, that could be a little bit shaky. But for now, I think they have enough to be back in the playoff picture. So, uh, oh, I think
1: their playoff picture. Don't get me wrong.
2: Yeah, but I was gonna la- crown him. Not gonna crown when
1: him. when they were assembling their roster, a lot of people were trying to say oh, they're way better than the Pacers now. Look at all nah. what they have. I don't I don't see that. I, I feel like they defensively still have a lot of areas to improve. I'm not saying Busevich is like a horrible defender, but you put him with DeRozan and Levine, three guys that are not known to defend. You pretty much have Lonzo Ball and Patrick Williams as the only two starters that are really solid defenders. I, I feel like that's a team that could give up 150 points <laughs> a game just based on it. Now, they might score 160, so... We'll see what happens there. I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch this season. I like the moves they made. They're being very aggressive. They want to win. I want Chicago to be good again because I like that rivalry when they are good. I just don't want them to be better than the Pacers.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to be better than the Pacers either. I have a a friend that's a Bulls fan. And, I mean, ooh, this man could not be more annoying when the Bulls are good. And they have not been good for a while, but I'm talking about little things like if the Bulls win a couple games, he'll text me and say, like, Pacers going to make the playoffs this year. I'm like, don't, don't worry about us. All right. But uh, the over under 42 and a half, I see them at 42 and 40. And I honestly, so I'd have to go with the under there. That's a big improvement from last year. They were 31 and 41. So I know there was 10 less games last year, but I see the bulls taking a solid step forward. Um, Maybe, maybe they'll make another move. I don't really know. They finally just got a first round pick back after they've really traded a ton of picks. So they, they really dealt Lloyd Market and kind of for just whatever they could really get back. I think Derek Jones Jr. probably fits this team better. Um, but, you know, hey, for Chicago, it's a solid step forward. I'd say 42 and 40 feels right in my eyes.
1: Yeah, so let's see here. You think they're going to be better than the Knicks? I do. I do. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on. I think that they're going to be under the 42 and a half wins. I think they could have a very similar record to the New York Knicks. I think they could end up with the same record, Fachi. It's very possible. I think that's what's going to happen personally for me. But let's move on to your boys in the blue and gold. The Indiana Pacers, a rejuvenated franchise with Rick Carlisle at the helm. They got Chris Duarte. They got Isaiah Jackson. They got Torrey Craig in the offseason. Not a lot of great moves, but they did get a $7 million trade exception by dealing Doug McDermott to the San Antonio Spurs in a sign-and-trade. They traded Aaron Holiday to the Washington Wizards, and now they're sitting on a 15-man roster. We're still not sure what they're going to do with Keelan Martin. But with this team pretty much coming back fully intact with a few minor moves, what do you think happens here with the Indiana Pacers?
2: Well, I love nothing more than Rick Carlisle being known to improve a team in year one. So I think off the bat, yeah, if you're going to read any article out there, they're going to give the Pacers probably a pretty bad offseason grade. But the Rick Carlisle hiring coupled with a healthy team is all the difference. The Pacers have the players on paper to be a playoff team. They just got to stay healthy. You bring in Carlisle, you bring back T.J. Warren, which we've spoke about on the show, that that almost is like an off-season acquisition because he only played four games last year. If Chris Duarte looks anything like he looked in summer league, I feel confident that you got a guy that can play off the bench, you know, that we didn't really have as much last year. Last year towards the end, it was slim picking. And uh, I also got to throw out there, today is August 31st, which is supposed to be Keelan Martin's deadline. I haven't heard a peep. I haven't heard a peep. (laughs) So no,
1: I haven't either. So really
2: not sure. I actually really thought uh I would have heard something. Um, but we haven't yet. So, you know, we'll we'll find out what the deal is with that. But also for the Pacers, man, 42 and a half. That's the over under. I see this team over 42, you know, 42 wins. So I could see them. Why can't the Pacers be a 45 win team this year? I could see it.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea. I'm I'm curious to see how this team does but I uh I like the Indiana Pacers I think that they're a team that is going to hit the over I think they're a sleeper team I think teams are overlooking them I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen but I think that this is a team that could finish in the top five possibly top four if things go right look what they did with McMillan I know they had Jeremy Lehman there at the starting position over Victor Oladipo. Now they got Karis Levert in there. They've got a better coach, in my opinion, Rick Carlisle. They've gotten better defensively with the moves they've made. I'm excited to see what they can do. But at the end of the day, I don't. I don't really think this Pacers team is going to take a step back like a lot of teams or a lot of people think they might. It's going to be a good team, and I'm excited to see what they do.
2: I really am. It's crazy when I can just talk about the team and not even bring up Karis Lavert or Demontis Sabonis or Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, we have guys on this team Uh, like true guys that can can put up 20 on any given night and I feel like a lot of people are just still a little bit down on the Pacers because of how it went down last year last year was a disaster of a season an absolute disaster in just about every way so I just feel like they've made a ton of changes on that coaching staff and and I think that's going to go a long way but guys can also take the next step. I mean, we saw guys like Malcolm Brogdon take a step forward. Miles Turner took a step forward. Levert took his game forward. Uh, I, and I feel like Sabonis was, you know, still really good. I don't know how much of a step he took forward, but he, he showed that his all-star birth was not a fluke. So right. I feel like this is a team that we have not seen the best of them yet. And uh, I look forward to seeing this team back in the playoffs where they deserve to be.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, Focci. I'm excited to see this team. So I've got the over for the Pacers. I'm going to predict that they probably get close to 47 wins this year. Going 46. Doing it. All right. So they're a team that I think could be in that same mix with Philly, with Boston, and with Atlanta. I, I think the Pacers, in my opinion, are going to finish above the Boston Celtics and possibly the Philadelphia 76ers. In the Eastern Conference, I, I, I'm having a hard time figuring out this Atlanta team and where they match up with the Pacers, but I really think that this team is in the hunt, I would love for them to be a top four team so they can get a home playoff, you know, game, but at the same time, I could see them finishing around that sixth seed and playing, maybe it seemed like Miami in the first round, which would make it really enticing.
2: That would be very interesting. I do see us in the Celtics kind of, uh, you know, on even ground. I really do. I, I do think that we're still better than the Knicks, better than uh, the Bulls. I think that those are two teams that I expect to be, you know, some some hungry competition. The East is not going to be what the East used to be the last few years. It's, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. There are yeah. teams that are ready to play and compete for playoff spots, and I just think that a healthy Pacer team – on paper, is ahead of those teams. You saw the Knicks take a step forward while we took a step back only by not having our best players out there. And then you look at teams like the Celtics, like, I just feel like this is the same Celtics team basically from years past where the Pacers, I don't know. I just think that Rick Carlisle is way more seasoned, you know, as a head coach than what the Celtics are looking at with Emei Yeah,
1: I, I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So let's move on. Charlotte, they're ranked at 38.5 wins for this season. I think this Charlotte team is pretty good, Fauci. I'll be excited to see what LaMelo Ball does in his second season, coming back from an injury, Gordon Hayward. Hopefully he can play more games. They've got some really fun guys in P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. they got Kelly Oubre. They drafted James Booknight and Kai Jones. They traded for Mason Plumley. They've done a really good job with this team. They gave Terry Rozier an extension as well. I really like the Charlotte Hornets. I think they're a team that could be in the mix for the play-in game or even as far up to the 5-6 seed if everything goes their way.
2: Starting to develop a a minor soft spot for Charlotte. I feel like they got a cool thing going on over there. They got some nice young players. I feel like Charlotte, they they made it to the playing game. We beat them. We beat them convincingly. But they had no Gordon Hayward Uh, at that point. LaMelo Ball had missed so many games that you got to imagine if him and Hayward were healthy. The Hornets would have been a playoff team last year, or at least, you know, more along the lines of being in the 7 or 8 spot, like hosting the play-in game. But I, I do think the Oubre addition is a really good addition. Book Knight, it might not be this year, but I do think he's going to be a really good player. Kai Jones, another good pickup for them, like you mentioned. I think that Charlotte is is going to be a pretty decent team. I mean, everybody can't be 500 in the East, but I'm picking them above 38-and-a-half wins. I'm yeah. going over
1: yeah, same here. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. They're a team that I think could get close to 40 wins, mm-hmm. at least. I, I mean, they could be a playing game. I think that's probably where a lot of people predict them to be at in that playing game, but we'll see what happens. I like the Charlotte Hornets at 38 and a half wins over as well Faci. So we're both over on that, really. The only big difference we've had is the Atlanta Hawks. let's Let's see here about the Toronto Raptors, 36 and a half wins. Fatci, Where are you sitting at on the Toronto Raptors?
2: I'm going over. Um, I just feel like, like Toronto is a team that it really just – it didn't work out for them. At one point when, when things got rough, I mean, towards the end of the year, they just started losing a ton of games. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that while they didn't really do anything crazy in terms of the offseason, Gary Trent Jr. was really good for them. Yeah. Really good. I think that bringing him back is great. Um, then also uh, – what was it? Um uh, Scotty Barnes right over there, right? Oh, yeah, Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Barnes. You know, nice nice draft pick right over there. I think that he's going to develop into a really good player. Maybe it's not necessarily this year that he's a really, really good contributor, but a guy like Pascal Siakam, I think that he had a down year last year. And I think that he could very well have a better year. And I think at that point, Toronto's going to be a better team. I, I just think that they were one of the surprises last year of how poor – they played. So I'm going to go with, uh, you said they're over under 36 and a half. Uh-huh. I could see them being 38, 39 wins.
1: Yeah. See, this is a tough one for me. I feel like 36 and a half is like the perfect number for them because they're just a team, in my opinion, that has really good players. But how do they fit together? They lose that leader in Kyle Lowry. There was so much speculation that they could move. Maybe Pascal Siakam, he got suspended last year for his temper tantrum, so to say, got into it a little bit with his coach, Nick nurse. I like them a little bit, but I don't love them. So I actually am going to go under here, Fachi, but I don't love it. I don't love it.
2: Yeah. They're, they're a tough team to predict. I feel like while they'll be better, I don't see them being like really good. But then also it's like, you know, could this team compete for, you know, in a, for a play-in game? I do. So I, I, I want to say that I see them being right around that maybe 39 wins, something like that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's up in the air. I just – one of these teams is going to have to lose, right? I mean, I like that we're talking about maybe all this, you know, back and forth. Like, uh, to me, if, you, if you've got, like, all these wins lined up, everybody can't be over. Someone's got to be under at some point. So, I'm going to picture Toronto to go under, I, I think, maybe 36 wins, <laughs> but, like, not by much, so – They'll be an interesting team, and hopefully they can stay healthy as well. I like some of the players they have on there. You know I've tried to make trades for them several different times So, uh, in our mock trade draft. So, I mean, I'm uh, I'm all for it. But let's move on. The Washington Wizards, your Washington Wizards, basically no. rehauled the roster, a massive trade to get rid of Russell, Russell Westbrook. They brought in a ton of guys. Contavius caldwell pope Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Kuzma. They got Isaiah Todd. They got Corey Kispert in the draft. They got Aaron Holiday. They signed Spencer Dinwiddie. This is a team that's predicted to uh, to win 33-and-a-half games. spots. Are you hammering the over
2: or smashing the under? I'm going over because they're – look, you lost Russ. I get it. But they got enough players to be more of a well-balanced team. 33-and-a-half wins, it feels really low in an 82-game season. So I'm going to go with the over. I, I think that they'll be a com- more of a competitive team on a nightly basis. Last year, they were absolutely ravaged by COVID in the beginning of the year. I mean, they barely had enough players to even play. So guys like Cole Pope, Montres Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, I feel like those are guys that you could play on a nightly basis. So yeah. I'm going with the over.
1: Yeah, I think they're the I – th- I put them for over too. I feel like they're a team that can give the 36 wins, 38 yeah. wins. Mm-hmm. They 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 have a chance to push. We'll see how good this team is together. I think the problem with them is one they got a new coach, two they've got so many guys that haven't played with each other before. They could take some time to develop that chemistry. And it might be too little too late with how much depth there is in the Eastern Conference because we're looking at team what? 12 right now in terms of win predictions. So they're ranked to finish 12th in the Eastern Conference. 33.5 wins at the 12 spots, you know, not great, but I, I think that the talent is better than what, on paper, than what I think they will be overall. So they're a good team. I just don't know how good of a team they can be.
2: Yeah, like here's the thing. Like I, I don't see them being a playoff team. I don't. But 33.5 wins feels really low. I feel like that bar probably should have been set at like, I want to say 34 I mean, no, no, not 34, like, like 35, 35 and a half, something like that, which is like, you know, like not not great by any means, but more of a respectable thing. 33 and a half, really low for a team that got a few rotational players. Like I, I know you mentioned um, Aaron Holiday and Spencer Dinwiddie. I didn't. So you're talking about now five players between Dinwiddie, Aaron Holiday, of Pope, Montres Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma that can – compete on a nightly basis when you already have Bradley Beal, who averages over 30 points per game. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like why can't this team be 36 wins?
1: Yeah. No, I I feel you, Fauci. So let's move on. We've got the three bottom feeders of the Eastern Conference. Once again, Cleveland Cavaliers, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic. I will say out of these three teams, I think Cleveland by far has the best roster. I absolutely hate – that they traded Larry Nance Jr. And a second round pick, I believe it was, for Laurie and a guy that doesn't make any sense for me for that team. They've also got Kevin Love, who does not want to be bought out. This is a team that screams good, but not great. They're going to be a team that is really rocky. So at 26 and a half wins, I am going to hit the over because I still think they can get to 28 wins, but I don't like this team that much. I do like some of the young players on the team but just compared to the rest of the East, I don't like them as much.
2: Man, what is Cleveland doing? I just feel like even the recent trade for Lori Marketing, you thought they're probably onto something. They're probably about to unload Kevin Love. Nope, doesn't look like it. Uh, Kevin Love is not going to take that buyout by any means, and I don't think anyone's trading for him. Still yep. $60 million owed to him. So you bring in Evan Mobley, but now you also have Lloyd Markin in, and then you, you sign Jared Allen, who's a really good player, but it's also with Kevin Love there. That, that front court, it's loaded. It, it's There's too many mouths to feed there. You still don't know what you're doing with Colin Sexton. Ah, man, I just don't know what Cleveland's doing. Their over under is so low that I'm with you that it's like, okay, this team isn't like they have decent players, but I mean, to set the bar at 26 and a half wins, I feel like they have a shot at getting to 30, maybe 29 wins. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with the over. Eventually, Cleveland has to go in the right direction, but it's still just very strange what they're doing over there.
1: Absolutely. So let's move over to Detroit. They're big move this off season was drafting Cade Cunningham, right? So they got him at the first overall pick in the draft. They've got some nice talent over there. They've got Jeremy Grant. They've also got um, Beef Stew from last year. They've got some decent young players on this team, but what else can they do? You know, I mean, it's just like they're a team that's rebuilding. We know that. So it's going to be a while before they really turn this thing around. I think 25-and-a-half wins. I hit the under, Fauci. I think they're a team that's probably going to try to get better internally but still not try to win a lot of games so they can continue to grow through the draft.
2: Completely agree. I'm going with the under here. Detroit, look, there's a lot of teams that I picked over for. Detroit is not going to be good. Eventually – I mean, look, they're going in the right direction, but that's not going to buy you any wins or, you know, might get you a little sympathy next year, but that's it. Detroit is, they are not a good team right now. I feel like the best thing for them would probably be if you could find a trade for Jeremy Grant to bring in more picks and younger talent somewhere at the deadline, because I feel like people are going to be calling kid Cunningham to be honest. Didn't look great in summer league. I thought that he was pretty good, but he didn't blow anyone away. I felt like uh, Jalen Green was the player that really blew people away. I thought – I'm a firm believer I think Jalen Green's going to be a stud, but let's not make it about him. Uh, for Detroit, you're finally – you have something to build on, but it's really not that much. I mean, Killian Hayes, I, I think you whiffed on that pick. I, re- I really do. Um, and now Cade just seems like a replacement for him. I feel like Detroit – it's going to be ugly this year wow okay
1: oh yeah Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as ugly as the Orlando Magic I think this is the worst team in the Eastern Conference they're predicted to win 23 and a half games look I get it they have some young players on this roster that are going to be good in about three four years but right now they are in complete rebuild mode I think 23 and a half is a great under for them they are a team to me that they're just they're just trying to get better through the draft once again. So I'm gonna do the under on them,
2: Fachi. And I'm assuming you're gonna go under as well. I think I'm probably gonna go with the under. I'm a little bit torn. I think that I more just kind of like that Orlando went for the full rebuild instead of continuing to like truck through and be like a not a good team, but an all-right team. Uh so I think that their rebuild is probably going to be quicker than Detroit's unless Cade Cunningham is a true star, but I just don't think he can do it alone. So I'll go with the under, but I do like the young talent that they have there. It's just going to take a couple of years.
1: Yeah. So that wraps up the over under a little bit long winded today, everybody, but that was a lot of fun to look at the rest of the Eastern conference. We won't do that with the Western conference because my goodness, take us forever. But at the end of the day, Fachi, what team or what lock do you feel the most confident in?
2: Mm. Uh, oh, oh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, without a doubt. I see Brooklyn. Really? At 56 le- wins over? Oh, yeah. I see Brooklyn as a 60-win team. They oh probably, it probably, Yeah, that's crazy <laughs> to predict. But, man, I think Brooklyn's even the kind of team to go for it at the deadline and make another trade to bring someone in. So I see Brooklyn at, um, you know, being – Over. Uh, I definitely see that. And then for the other one, I want to say, man, Milwaukee. I can't remember exactly what it was. They might have been like 54 54 and and a half. half.
1: Yeah, 54 and a half.
2: I I really like the over there.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to be a homer here, but I'm picking the Pacers. I think 42 and a half wins, Fauci. That is really selling this team low off one bad season with a a horrible coach. This team is really talented depth-wise. They're coming into camp early. This is a team that I really believe. Is gonna be way better than 42 and a half wins. Even if it's just like 47. Like, still, I mean, if I'm a, if I was a gambling man, which I'm not, if I'm a betting man, I would bet the over on Indiana and I would slam it, slam it, slam it, because I think this team is that good.
2: Hey, they do it to us every year. I I've seen this team disrespected far too many times. The measuring stick used to be our the Orlando Magic, they're above us. Oh, no, 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 no. We're coming out. The gates hot. I still remember just being predicted below them when they had the Pacers slated to win 32 games following the Paul George trade, and then they shattered it. I believe they won 48 games that year. So uh, I, I do feel confident in the over there. Just with that Brooklyn r- roster of Harden, Durant, a- and Kyrie, it's there's so many studs on there that it just feels like, yeah, they're probably going to win more than 56 and a half.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It's uh it's just interesting though. But all right, so let's wrap up today's podcast. Focci, where can
2: the people find us at on social media? So you could find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden MBA. I could be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find our Facebook page, Setting the Pace, and you could find our TikTok, setting the pace. Wow, look at you,
1: remembering all that. Not like also, I was
2: being quizzed, but I think I passed.
1: I think you did pass. The only thing you failed on was being a fan of the New York Mets. Look at those players booing
2: the fans they after they get
1: hits. That is ridiculous. What is wrong with them?
2: It is. I know. it does. I'm sorry, guys, but it does not work that way. We pay you a lot of money to, to go out there and play, and fans, hey, they, they pay the money to cheer, they're allowed to, to boo, you know, all that. They don't you don't cross the line, but the players you do not see the players fighting back.
1: No, I I mean, come on, that is just like, as a fan, if a team is underperforming, you boo them, right? That's what I would yeah. do. And it, it was just tacky to me, Fashi. What is going on? Not a good look. Not a
2: good. What look. is
1: going on, man? This is ridiculous. But all right, we got to go. So we will talk to y'all maybe later this week. Not sure yet. We haven't scheduled a recording, but. We'll be back soon. So we will talk to you all then, everybody. Peace out.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.